Well, guys, welcome to Swerve Church. You know, my name is Danny. Thank you guys so much for joining us uh, today, this Sunday. I'm super excited about starting this brand new series. It's called Passing the Test. Passing the Test. And we're going to be looking at James chapter 1. It's right there in your message notes. If you take it out, you can follow along right there in the message notes. That's for you to keep. You can write down, you can circle, you can draw in there, whatever you want. That's for you to keep. And that's right there for you so that you can take notes today. Now, you know... We all face extremely difficult situations in life. Isn't that right? You know, we all go through difficult times and difficult moments. You know, it's something that we all have in common. If you're here today, if you're alive, if you have a pulse, if you're breathing, you know, we're all going to face hardships. We're all going to face difficult times. You know, we run into relational strife, right? We go through difficult times in relationships. You know, you hear the news of somebody that you love that passed away. You know, or maybe, you know, these, all these difficult times, there's some kind of a medical bad news that you receive. You know, we, we go through all these things. And the, the questions of, of trials in our lives is not a question of if, it's a question of when. When are we going to go through a difficult time? You know, you may be here today, and maybe you recently passed through a difficult time, one of these difficult seasons in life. Or maybe you're here today and you're smack dab in the middle of one of the hardest times of your entire life. You're like in the middle of a storm. You know, I think about the hundreds of families, hundreds of families in Haiti that lost everything. They lost homes. They lost loved ones. You know, they, they, they've lost so much. There's so much devastation due to the, uh, to, due to the earthquake. Imagine the devastation that they must be experiencing right now. You know, regardless of where you are today, chances are that you've gone through a storm, you're in a storm, or guess what? You will go through a storm. You will go through one very soon. And today we're beginning this brand new series, and it talks all about this. We're going to attempt to tackle this topic. In fact, we're going to be reading through the New Testament book of James. James, if you guys don't know, it's, it's a small book in the book in, in the New Testament. And we're going to be looking at all the wisdom that he has to offer. Alright, just to give you some background, before we even tackle this topic today, I want to read James chapter 1, verse 1, just to see if we can find out who this James guy is, okay? And try to find out who it is exactly he's talking to. You guys have it there in your notes. It's in James chapter 1, verse 1. Would you guys uh, look at that there? It says this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. That's how he opens up this book. So who's the author? Well, the author is James. He's the author of this letter. And he calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you know what's interesting about this? He says that he's the servant of Jesus Christ. But did you guys know that he's actually... The half-brother of Jesus. James, the author of this book that we're about to dig into, he's the half-brother of Jesus. That, he's, he's the biological offspring uh, from, from Mary. He's, he's Mary's son. And, and James, he's the biological offspring of Mary and Joseph. So, you know, you guys know Mary had other children, right? She had other children which would have been the siblings of Jesus. The reason that this is interesting is that he was Jesus' brother, yet he made the clear distinction of calling him Lord. He called his brother 
Lord. Now let me ask you guys a question. Because I have a brother and a sister. What would it take for you to worship your brother or your sister? What would it take for you to do that? Right? Can you imagine? You know, I, you know I'm not even going to get into much detail. But I have siblings, okay? And I know how that is. All right? What would it take for you to call your brother or your sister God? All right? Yeah. So James, you know, but, but James, you know, James didn't come to this realization early on. Okay? Actually, just like the rest of the family, they, they, weren't, they weren't on the Savior bandwagon. Okay? They weren't like, you know, worshiping and falling at Jesus' feet as God. You know, like the rest of the family, he didn't immediately believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of the world. It wasn't until after the death and resurrection of Jesus that finally James understood. You know, it took the death, it took him watching his brother die on a cross and then raising from the grave three days later for him to finally understand, hold on, this guy is way more than just, just my, there's something else to this guy, you know, right here. Isn't that amazing? So James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's the one that's writing this. Now, who's the letter for? Well, in that verse, that same verse, he says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Now, this is interesting. James went from not believing in big brother Jesus, right, to becoming his servant, right? And at the same time, at the time of this letter, he had become one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? He went from non-believer in his brother Jesus to, to being his brothers, or Jesus Christ, you know, his servant, to now being one of the leaders of the early church in Jerusalem. That's why it says that he, it's written to the scattered tribes. In other words, it's written, it's a written letter to Christians. Now, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, then throughout the book of James, you know, what you're going to find is it's full of rich, it's rich of wisdom and insight and practical ways, you know, to live out your Christian faith. As we read the book of James, you're going to find out there's a lot of practical how-tos. He challenges us, if you're a believer of Jesus, he challenges you to live an authentic Christian life. He shows us that the gospel of Jesus Christ has very real implications for how we live. All right? In other words, you know, this gospel of Jesus Christ is not just something theoretical, it's not just something in our brain, but it's something that goes down into our hearts and guess what? Into our hands and feet. And how we live our lives. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, first of all, I'm so thankful that you're here. But I want you to realize that this is what a Christian should look like as we look at the book of James. And I know that perhaps you've run into many bad examples. I think we've all have run into some pretty bad examples, right, of Christians. You know, people who especially, you know, they're very unloving and they're hypocritical, right, and they're judgmental. But realize this, guys. Realize that actually Christians, according to the Bible, are called to a very high standard. If you're a Christian, you're called to a high standard, okay? We are, according to the Bible. But something that you need to understand, that as Christians, we're all on a journey to becoming more like Christ. We're all on that journey to try to become more like Him. Listen, nobody's perfect, okay? And that includes you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not perfect. If you're not a follower of Jesus, guess what? You're not perfect. But you'll be able to see throughout this series that James challenges all of us to pursue lives transformed by the gospel. That if we truly understand and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then that has some very real implications for how we live our lives. 
All right? All right? It means, you know, we don't lie anymore. We, there's certain things. We don't do certain things. And, and James is going to call us out on some of those things. Okay? It has very real implications. And James, throughout the whole book, he'll be talking about this. Okay? But because of the gospel, it has huge ramifications on our relationships. It has huge ramifications on our worldview. And it has a huge ramification on our life, on how we live. Alright, so now that you know a little bit more about who the author is, because we're going to be digging into this book for a little bit, and now you know the audience, let's, let's begin to dig in and see what kind of advice James has in regards to dealing with those difficult times. As I opened it up, we all, we, we're either gone through a hard time, we're going through a hard time, or we will. James is going to give us some advice, okay? Let's see what some of this advice is. There in your notes, you have some fill-in-the-blanks. That pen, you can use that pen that you, that you got when you came in. Here's the first fill-in-the-blank. It's this. Number one, change how you look at your struggles. Change how you look at your struggles. In fact, look at James chapter 1, verse 2. He says it like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Would you guys underline that phrase right there, consider it pure joy? And put a big circle around that word joy there. We're going to talk about this. Now imagine this. Imagine you're going through and you're facing one of the toughest moments of your life. And I come to you. All right, you're struggling. You're in tears. You're going through. And I come to you and I say, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. How would you feel? I would assume that, you know, 9 out of 10 of you would probably want to punch me right in the nose for saying that, right? I think you, you would want to, you know, wind up and sock me a good one right in the face, right, for saying that to you. And I think partially it's because we, we might get that response or we might respond that way because I think we have a wrong understanding of joy. I don't think we really understand that word joy. That's why I asked you to circle that word. All right? Usually, we affiliate joy with happiness, right? And a lot of us would read this as, consider it pure happiness, my brothers. You know, when you're going through all these difficult times and your dog died and, and you're in debt and whatever. You know, that's not, that's not what it implies. There, there's definitely an aspect of happiness to joy, but joy supersedes happiness. There's a transcendence to joy. Joy is much bigger than happiness, okay? You know, you see... Biblical joy is not dependent on circumstances, okay? It's not dependent on circumstances. Rather, it is a direct byproduct of God's perfect hope and peace. You know, while it would be extremely difficult to be happy, right? You know, tap dancing at the funeral of a loved one or at the diagnosis of a terminal illness, you know, in those dark times, we can still experience joy because it's a joy that comes from God. In fact, this is not in your notes. Maybe you want to relook this up later. You can write it down on the margin. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Here's what it says. It says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's a connection between having this hope and having this joy and having this peace that is something that this doesn't come from inside of you. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. It's something that comes from God. It's something that supersedes the circumstances that you're in. And in fact, here's another verse that's not in your notes. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. It says this, Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Have you ever heard of that verse? The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
This supernatural joy is something that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're given a peace that surpasses all understanding, Philippians 4, 7 says. Have you ever experienced this? Maybe you're here today and you've experienced. You've experienced this very thing. Or perhaps someone you know who, who has this tremendous resolve. They have this tremendous resolve, you know, even in the midst of hardship. And it's because of this very thing. It's because the Holy Spirit, because God fills us with a joy that surpasses all understanding. And it gives us peace even in the middle of hardship. But on top of that, James gives us a why. Why can we count it all joy? Look at the next verse, James chapter 1, verse 3. You have it there in your notes. It says this, Because you know that the testing of your faith, what does it do? It produces perseverance. Right? It produces, underline that, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Here's what it does. There's two reasons why you can count it all joy. When you're facing trials of many kinds, there's two reasons. Number one, it's only a test. You see that? The testing of your faith. And number two is because it produces perseverance. It produces, in essence, what James is saying here is that we need to have a change of mind about how we look at our struggles. Right? See your struggles through different lenses. As Christians, we can view our struggles as faith-building exercises that help us build stamina and endurance. Think about this, like when you're going through a difficult time, think of it like when you're going to the gym and you're lifting weights and you're trying to get stronger. That's what our difficult times and difficult moments in our lives, that's exactly what it's doing to us. It's helping us build our faith. It's giving us stamina and endurance. Now check this out. Christians and non-Christians alike, you know, you're going to have a difficult time in your life. Ain't that right? doesn't matter whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not. You're going to have a difficult time. You're going, to have, you're going to come across difficult moments. But as followers of Jesus, transformed by the power of the gospel and filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? We get something out of it. Right? We learn. We grow. We mature. It turns into perseverance. We get stronger. It's kind of like that song and that saying. Have you guys ever heard that saying? Whatever doesn't kill you, what? Makes you Stronger. When you're going through those difficult times, those difficult moments, it, it's, it's that. In your hardship, in your trial, you know, your faith is picking up weights. Your faith is hitting the gym, all right? And it's growing, and it's getting stronger. Here's number two in your notes. What does it do when it comes to trials and tribulations and difficult moments? You know, what, are we to, what, what happens? Number two, your struggle produces maturity. Your struggle produces maturity. Look what it says in, in verse 4. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? You may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So you can be mature and complete. You see, perseverance produces maturity. Maturity is a good thing, guys, by the way. Listen, Stephen Jr., he drinks milk now. He buy, you give him milk. But nobody wants to bottle feed a 27-year-old, right? It's not cute when you got to part the mustache to put the bottle in his mouth, right? We, we grow, right? We grow, we mature. The testing of our faith produces perseverance, which helps us mature us in our walk with God. Listen, in this room, we have, we have, we're in different places in our journey of faith. Collectively, 
as the church, we want to help you move to your next level of maturity. That's what we want to do here in this church. We want to help you take your next step. We want to be continually experiencing growth. Individually, you guys want to grow. As a church, I want us to grow. And part of this maturation process is seeing your trials as a way for God to glorify himself through it. And this is why Burials hinted at life groups. That's why he mentioned life groups, right? We want to have these life groups. We want to be plugged into life. We want to do life with one another, and we want to grow. This is why it's so important, right? When we do these life groups, it's kicking off, by the way, this Tuesday. And, and if you guys want, the one in Bushwick is happening in my apartment. I would love for you guys to be a part of it. And all a life group is, is we get together, we pray, we eat. There's going to be, you know, munchies and drinks, and, and, and we pray for one another, and we spend time, we talk. We'll open up, you know, the Bible and we'll read some verses, you know, because we want to help you guys take your next step. That's why we do this. And I would love to have you guys be a part of that because we want to help you as a church take your next steps. Okay, what if you guys get it? Okay, you understand what James says? Consider pure joy when you go through all these hardships and all these difficult times. Count it a joy. Okay, I get it, Danny. Change the way I look at, at my problems. You know, but what if you, you're here and you're, you know, you're in the thick of it and you just can't see it that way? What if you just can't see it that way? Well, James gives us some advice. He says, here's what you do. In verse 5, there in your notes, verses 5 to 8, it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should what? You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And guess what? It's going to be given to you. And verse 6 says, but when you ask you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person, it goes on to say in verse 7, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now listen, here's what he's trying to say. If you're here, right, it's, it's difficult for you to see your current reality and to try to find joy. Are you going through this difficult season in life and you say, Danny, there's no way that I can count it a joy. I can't find hope or this. James says, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay that you don't get it. But here's what you do. Simply ask God. Ask God for wisdom. God, help me to see how you're working this out. God, help me to see, Lord, it's difficult right now. I'm shedding a lot of tears. Lord, it's super difficult what I'm going through. But James says, ask God for wisdom. And guess what? When you pray, God will help you see it this way. You know, so often, and we're going to talk about this more during week three, but so often prayer is like an afterthought, isn't it? Like we, when we're going through a tough time, you exhaust all your resources, right? You do everything within your power to try to solve your problem, and then prayer is like an afterthought, right? But really prayer, man, it's, it's like a weapon that we have. Because you're consulting God, Almighty, living God. And you're able to talk to Him and ask Him. And guess what? If you ask Him, He's going to respond. And you ask Him for that joy, and you ask Him for that peace. You ask Him to help you see how He's helping you change, or helping you see how this hardship can be something else. And He will help you, and He will give it to you. Can you think of a time... When you were going through a difficult, when you were going through a difficult moment, and as you look in hindsight, can you see how you've become stronger? Can you see how you've become more mature because of it? 
It's because God uses those times to grow you. God uses those difficult moments in your life to help grow you. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, I want you guys to notice this. Isn't it amazing that God is concerned with who you are becoming in the process? Listen, He sees you right now. He loves you as you are. But guess what? He's concerned with who you're becoming. He actually cares with who you're becoming. He cares. This is a big word. He cares about your sanctification. Okay? Elsewhere in the Bible, it compares these difficult times. It compares these hard moments to the refinement of gold and silver. Do you guys know how you get gold and silver pure? You got to put it through the fire. In the fires where gold and silver is at its purest after it's gone through the fire. And in these difficult times, there's God is doing something in you during these difficult times. All right? And we're wrapping up here. Number three in your notes. You have it there. Here's number three that James tells us is this. Eternity contains our greatest reward. Eternity contains our greatest reward reward. Here's what it says in James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James chapter 1 verse 12. Would you guys underline that phrase right there? Crown of life. Here's some good news, guys. And I know that, that perhaps, listen, me too, all right? Perhaps in the middle of this hardship, in the middle of trial, what do we want? We want, we want a miracle to happen like, like yesterday, right? When we're in the middle of this difficult, we want, man, we just want that to happen right now. You know, we want immediate relief. And, and you know, we want our problems just to disappear magically. No, but here's a promise in God's word for us that gives us great hope and it gives us great joy. It's, it's a, that one day all that have put their faith in Jesus will be able to partake in this promise right here. The Bible teaches us that we have a great high priest and his name is Jesus. He, he was tempted and he suffered in every way just as we did. Why? So that he can relate to us. In your struggle, in your hardship, Jesus understands. And Jesus knows because he went through hardship and he went through temptation. In fact, the Bible teaches us that he went through unspeakable pain. In fact, they, they nailed him on a cross, two hands on a tree and his feet. They nailed him and he bled and he died on a, on a cross. Why? Why? Because he was God's love manifested. He paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for our sin. And listen, if you're suffering today, Jesus knows the pain. He knows the pain that you're going through. He knows the hardship. Jesus knows the rejection. He knows the betrayal. Have you ever been betrayed? Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows rejection. He knows the hardship. He knows it all. And on that cross, the Bible teaches us, He bore the sins of the world. And he died. He died for our sins. But he rose from the grave. And, the, and with that, there's a promise that if you put your faith in Jesus, guess what? There's a reward. 
And what that means is that the hardship that you're going, the trials, the difficulties, the sicknesses, the people, the people that you've lost, the betrayal, all that is going to be gone, is going to be taken away one day. Why? Because we'll be able to spend eternity with Jesus and we have that to look forward to if we've put our faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then this is the closest to hell that you'll ever get. But if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, then this is the closest to heaven that you'll ever be able to experience. And those of us that put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have this great promise that we can hold on to. That one day, guess what? There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more hardship. Because we'll be with Jesus. Would you guys uh, just join me in prayer as we close uh, this portion of the service? Uh, God, you know... Some of us are going through a tough time right now. And, uh, and it's difficult to see, Lord, how we can consider it joy, you know, when we're going through these difficult times in life. And God, sometimes there's no words that we can really say to help someone feel relieved or better. But I, what I pray, God, as it says here in James, that, that if we lack wisdom, that we can pray to you, we can ask you, Lord, would you help us to see, God, how you're using the difficult moments in our lives to refine us like gold and silver. Lord, I just thank you that you actually care. God, I thank you that you care about who we're becoming. You actually care about the process. You actually care about our sanctification. I'm so grateful, God, for that, that you're mindful of us. And I just pray, God, for those that are going through a tough time right now, Would you bring your comfort and your peace? Lord, would you equip those of us that are about to go through tough times? Lord, it's down the road. It's going to come. God, would you equip us and and bring to memory, Lord, this passage today, God. Help us to count it all joy when we face difficult moments in our lives. And, uh, And God, I just pray you continue to strengthen and help us through those difficult moments. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.